Well, I'm here in San Francisco. I realize I haven't been here in many years. I'm looking out on the lovely city. I've got a view from the top of the top of the JW Marriott. Now, first of all, I want to say, if you want to gussy up a brand, just put two letters in front of it. All of a sudden, you've got you've got some something fancy going on there. Now, the difference between a Marriott and a JW Marriott, I don't know. JW Marriotts are newer. I think that's, you know, we had a lot of extensive talk about, about renaissances and things like that. I was at the Renaissance uh, over the weekend in Austin. Swans. Sadly enough, Matt Ray, no swans. They do not have swans. However, I think the overall quality of the Renaissance in Austin uh, exceeded my expectations based on the baseline of the Renaissance Dallas Richardson. I think it was Richardson or maybe it was Plano. There are a lot of, you know what? I, as, as, as some people would say, I'm shitting you negatively. One night when I was up in Dallas, I was driving back to my hotel because I'd put, you know, Renaissance into the, uh, the Google Maps and I drove to the wrong Renaissance. It was, <laughs> I didn't realize that there are three to four Renaissances in the Plano Dallas area. So oh, after sure. that, I had to double check each time that I went to the, uh, the correct one. But uh, yeah, I mean, the atrium and the Austin one, I think that's the thing with the Renaissance, right? Is there's always an atrium. Maybe we covered this last week, but it's a, I think it's a good hotel and you got a Trader Joe's across the street. So that's that's kind of fun. I went in is now, Brandon, you probably know about this. One of the missions I was sent on uh, being here in the States is to get the everything bagel seasoning. Now, is that is that a thing you've heard of? I've definitely heard of it, but I am not a I don't eat a lot of bagels and I don't necessarily know where you would get that other than at a bagel place. You just say, give me it's it's at Trader Joe's. Yeah, okay. it's at Trader Joe's. I, I I went I went and looked at HEB. I looked at uh, I might have even gone to Whole Foods. And then I was like, you know what I should do? I should search for this on the internet. And then it yeah. comes up and it's a total Trader Joe's thing. And you just go in and there. It, it sure was enough, not, boom, right yeah, there. It, it it was not on my radar. And uh, my, my in laws came and visited and brought some. And I was like, why did you bring this? More? I was like, I wanted that. I told them to bring us that from Trader Joe's. And I was just like, not even on my radar. I had no idea. Is this is this um, a game changer, Matt Ray? Am I going to start like putting this on all of my food? Am, am I going to throw out the old bay and put this on it instead? Oh, uh, probably not. Probably not. I think I think you're talking apples and oranges for seasonings. But my question, Cote, okay. my question is is coming in yes. to the U.S. Uh, knowing that like you're not there all the time. Do you look at your hotel and try to find the nearest grocery store or pharmacy for the things that you can't get in Amsterdam? And you're like, I got to make a Absolutely. trip. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think the, 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 first, the first two things I look up in order, well, the first three things, you know, it's always, I always make it three, one grocery store. And I don't want yep. to, I don't want one of these bodega style, whatever. I want like a real grocery a full store. On, yeah. Yeah. So I want to know where a grocery store is closest one to my hotel. Then I want to know where I forgot the second thing. So I'm moving on to the third. Then I want <laughs> to know Target. where. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I think a Target is what I'm interested in, right? A Target yeah. or a Walmart. I want to know how close that is. And then the third thing is I I love a Whole Foods. So I always want to oh, know yeah. where a Whole Foods is, right? And the reason I love it is they're only available, I don't know, I found they're in London. So whenever I go to London, I know there's like, I like the Whole, Whole Foods in Piccadilly, but there's another one that's pretty good that I went to recently. In fact, I think I like the new one. I forget what part of town it's in, a little more east. But um it's just like, you know, Whole Foods is great. And it was very dismaying. Here I am in San Francisco. I'm staying, you know, it's at the Moscone. Or I think if you were to pronounce that in Italian, it'd be Moscone. But, I'm, you know, I'm doing stuff at the Moscone. And Whole Foods is are pretty far from it. You can't really just walk there. I'd have to get yeah. a car. And like, I'm not going to take a car to go to Whole Foods. I'm not that fancy, 
like you know that i, 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 I took a that. lime in austin to get to it <laughs> oh i just i can't i can't get on board with that but yeah no you're exactly right is like where's the grocery store like i mm-hmm. want to know where a grocery store is just yeah. so i can go hang out get some so, things yeah I'm, I'm going to san diego in, in like two weeks and i already looked it up i was like oh there's a uh, there's a ralph's around the corner uh, I think, so, and I hadn't thought of this, but I think what you're making me realize, Matt Ray, is that when I book a hotel in the States, I'm going to first search for where the Whole Foods is and then find a Marriott around there and see if that kind of like. <laughs> oh, there's a Trader up. Joe's like six blocks away. Sweet. Now, now, see, I'm not a big, see, because why I want to go to Whole Foods is because of the the hot bar, cold bar. Thing, oh, right? I love it. Like, like I'm not really. I mean, I like I, I like their uh, their their groceries, but really, I'm not that big of a grocery buyer when I'm here in the states. Uh, yeah. But but I want to just be able to go there and just like have a buffet, just eat what's there, and um, not you know, not a European thing, not an Australian thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I want to. That's that's now I'm I'm a little wistful and winsome that right now. Now to close out the uh, the expat thing, I have found. That because I was back here in May and because my mother came uh, for three months, she's still there. It wasn't really that many things that I needed to buy. I, 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 in fact, I noticed myself, I kept running across things thinking I need to stock up on them. I was like, no, I've already got four jars of that back home or whatever. So I think, uh, I think I'm set. Like I don't need any clothes. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right, but I got that everything bagel seasoning. So I think uh, maybe what I could do is I could evolve the Dutch lunch, which is a slice of bread with a slice of cheese what if I put the everything bagel seasoning between the cheese and the bread? I think uh, this might be a cultural moment uh, that, that I would introduce. So anyways, I'm here at VMware Explore. And uh, we, I think I have done eight little 20-minute video interviews, uh, most of them with, with our friend of the podcast, Alex Williams, founder oh, yeah. of the New Stack. And first of all, he's delightful to hang out with. And uh, yeah, I mean... It was one of those video interviews with like, they got like eight people, probably 10 people in the crew and the big cameras and lights. And wow, it's pretty amazing. Like it's a lot more than as I'm doing right now with a GoPro tripod and a lavalier microphone hooked into it, plugged into my, my laptop. I mean, I think, I think I'm doing pretty good here, but they are doing much better. You let, you left the crew back in Amsterdam. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I should have asked producer Mitch. I should have been like, hey, I got a podcast to record here. You got a you got an <laughs> Ethernet jack. But I figured that would be I figured that would be in some way. I'm not really sure how, but it feels like it might be unethical to like use the corporate recording booth to record the personal podcast. I don't know. It's uh, that, you know, that would actually be maybe for a conference. A pretty good setup is to be like we have like podcast alley. And it's just like free to freely available Ethernet jacks, some plugs. All you got to do is schedule using it. And you can come in here and whatever you want, you can just sit here and do your podcast. And uh, we'll even have like before. a soundproof booth. Yeah, yeah that, I, I know. Nice. I've, I've seen that somewhere. I don't remember which conference. Hopefully, hopefully they have it at KubeCon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, also the, uh, you know, I haven't been. Is this true to a large conference in a long time? And I don't know if you remember this, but they are large conferences. There is a lot going on there. They got all the people checking your badges and uh, you got your meetings and a big expo floor with the carpets. Uh, It was great. You know, I even got uh, one of these like flashing light cubes, which you may remember these from the conference times, which 
which so I think I, I used to always I used to always get these. You know what? You could actually get these for the batteries in them. That's probably the most valuable component is you have those uh, flat. Batteries. But then you just have like a drawer full of spare batteries that of things you've looted. And it's like, do you really yeah. use those batteries? Can I say, give us a little uh, flavor of just like the crowd size, because um, I know various conferences, some have come back like full attendance. Some have come back like, you know, moderate, like. Visconti is a good one. I bet you a lot of people listening have been there. Like, you know, are we at uh-huh. like full capacity, kind of like both halls filled up with a uh, vendor and keynote stuff? And when you go in the keynote, a lot of seats taken, a lot of empty seats. Like what's, uh, what are you seeing well, out on the street? I think, I think yesterday during one of the the streams someone was doing, they said there's like over 9,000 people. I don't know. Don't, as I say, don't quote me on that, but that's what I remember hearing someone say in a publicly broadcast stream. So there's a number I can use. And I feel like I feel like it felt dense. I didn't actually go to the keynote because, you know, I watch keynotes in my hotel room. Much better uh, for that. You get it. You know, it's like I, I, I am not a sports person, but I understand that it is fun experience to watch sports in the stadium. But that is a, an entirely different experience, which is equally good to watch the sports at home on your giant TVs or in your case, Brandon, on your 20 TVs or however many you have. And so I think, you know, I always enjoy the hotel room. But yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of people here. I don't actually, I mean, I did hear that at KubeCon, they were expecting, what, 12, 15,000 people? So that's a lot. What about uh, precautions and stuff? Like, is it um, like vaccine or like masks? Like, are there specific Mm -hmm. rules in place this year? Or is it just sort of just... I don't don't think so. I think they had, they had, I think, the they had like i don't know if this is us or Moscone or whatever but there were some little stands with face masks masks that said something like mask wearing is strongly recommended which tell me if this you see that everywhere brandon i feel like i've encountered that that kind of phrasing on this trip more than not which is almost like uh it's it's in an odd way for as strident as that phrase is it feels like some kind of weird fence sitting like <laughs> Like put, putting putting my parent hat on, like if I were to strongly recommend that my child not do something, I would not want them to. They would do. They would be like noted, and then just move on and do, and do, <laughs> the, do the thing. That, that's like when your kids ask, you know, can I, you know, can I have something? If you don't say no, it's yes. Yeah, right? oh, it, it, it's just you know, and, and then even when you say no, they're like, well, I'll go a small. <laughs> to, to 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 switch to our our weekly parenting advice moment and therapy, I I have found myself still learning and struggling with that. So that's a good reminder. Like, oh, even even worse. Never uh, as far as asking the other parent, you know. So my son, of course, will want more time on his iPad, and he will call me while I am in California, right? Like to ask for more time, and I'll have to be like, I I am not there. I don't know what's going on. Like, I, why are you calling me instead of talking to your mother? And of course, and, and he still has that honesty where he'll be like, well, if I ask her, she'll say no. And, and, <laughs> but it, and, and, you know, it's a little sad because that means that every time he calls me, I kind of don't answer the phone. Cause I know, you know, he's, he's getting a little, he's getting, he's learning how to do it. He'll be like, so how's your day going? how are you (laughs) and then we'll talk a little bit and then he'll there'll be a little pause and he'll say can i have more time just an hour and then it's the the usual song and dance and i just um 
just unfortunate. But yeah, I've got to learn just to be like, nope, gotta go, click. But <laughs> I don't think you tell me you've got you've got more kids further along, Matt Ray. Can you hang up on your kid in a situation like that? What's, what's the protocol? Um, I I I have hung up on my kids, and they get very very uh, uh, upset, perturbed. They're like, Aww. how dare you? And you know, it's, I mean, because sometimes it's like you know have some question i'm on a call or something and and you know i'll, I'll hop off and like you know the answer is no and i you know i gotta get back to my call click and they're like but i wanted to argue for five minutes i'm like no 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 you don't understand you you don't get that um and then the other day i accidentally hung up and oh it was like you know 15 minutes of haranguing i was like dude it was an accident <laughs> so um Kids can do it to you. You can't do it to your kids. But Kota, I was going to say, like, I think I think you're on your way to making uh, the right parenting decision. Maybe just it takes just a little bit more of a push would just be to mm. to talk to your son like when you're at home, like I'm just like there's no you know immediate need. And you just tell him it's like you tell him it's like, listen, call anytime. I'm always happy to talk to you. But when I'm out of the house and I'm traveling your mother will make all the decisions regarding the iPad because I'm not here. I don't know. And so she will. Yeah, so, yeah. so the answer will always, when you call and call as much as you want, but the answer for that question will always be, you'll need to ask your mother. You're right. right you're right. And, yeah. and in, the, in the heat of the moment, you can't set policy. I think right. if we've That's learned always, anything that from right there, I mean, <laughs> I feel like, although you said it maybe in more business terms, it's like, it, I just think in the heat of the moment, you can't really do anything in the heat of the moment. It's always about like the pre-planning, right? It's like, yeah, just, yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't want a heat of the moment. Yeah, we, we want like the, the, the run book already written, right? That's, I mean, this it really is, is it true. Goes. Like the more that, and the fact that you explain what the run book is, like here, here's the page, you open up to more iPad time. Oh, dad's traveling, mom determines. And it's just like, oh, because that way when they call, you just feel like, oh, you know, oh, we talked about it. You know how it is. I yeah. don't know. You have to go talk to your mom. You 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 can you can give them everyone's favorite customer service answer that oh that's currently not our policy, and uh, <laughs> exactly the policy love I love a policy thing. Well, you know I I don't I don't want to go over all the VMware announcements, but you know we had there's new versions of our Tanzo application platform. I think the most notable thing is that you can run it on uh, on Red Hat OpenShift now, so you've got the uh, the toolkit for building the platform on top of there. And, uh, you know, there's also new versions of the Artanzu Kubernetes. I always get four operators or something, but the, our, our, basically our big Kubernetes stack. And there's also a um, kind of a new, a new portfolio and uh, kind of naming and, and stuff inside the portfolio, like topology. You remember topology, Brandon? You're gonna yeah. you're gonna get the topology well. of your network. Yes, I'm your, almost your after some new discovery topology. I love oh, it. Bring yeah. it on. Yeah. I, you know, we've got that, we've got that in the, the ARIA suite of management. And I was talking, who was I talking with? I ran into, uh, he's, uh, well, I guess he's been at IBM forever, but Phil Fritz, who, you know, came from Tivoli an Austinite, yep. and we were talking to it and I was like, I just realized topology. I totally forgot about that. That was very exciting. <laughs> like, like, he's like, you know, it never left. But I think topology I, I love, can always I love be summarized. Topology. The topology view can always be summarized this way. The demo data works fantastic looks beautiful seems like the most useful thing of all time then you point the topology to like some kind of quote-unquote real data set and it's just a nested web of lines and you're like "Ooh, not gonna be that that useful i'm gonna have to go to the filter right you know that's and that's immediately starts to like 
can we filter out the, some of these connections that we're seeing here? Some of them, wait, it's yeah, it's and, too, and, and too to, many to, local host connections or something. To to your point, I mean, I think the there there's two things you do with a topology tool. One is is the ideal state where you just want to know the state of your IT environment, whatever you're topologizing or whatever. But then I think the second one, which is an unintentional thing, is like. You're you, maybe you're at a management level and you're like, everyone, everyone in IT keeps telling me things are like a mess and they're, they're, they're a problem. But I mean, it's just computers, whatever. But then you could use the topology tool to be like, here you go. Let me, let me make a diagram for you of how IT actually is. And then hopefully you can start to improve from there, right? It gives you visibility into the true state of the spaghetti bowl, right? Like your, your managers are like, we're not eating spaghetti. We're eating prime rib over here, right? And you're like, nope, <laughs> let me go take a snapshot of it. It's pure spaghetti is, is what we got going here. So, and also I think, uh, anyways, so so there's all sorts of uh, new things and interesting things. You should plug there. some of the streaming stuff. I, I didn't watch it all, but I know a lot of it was streamed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming the videos will be up there, right? There's a bunch of stuff to watch. Oh, yeah. So, so for those I, that- I'm gonna- this the show. I'm sure they, they can see you, Kote, do some of your 20-minute interviews. Yeah. And then I think uh, your big boss, CEO, I know he gave a keynote that's out there as well, right? That's all, all yeah, available yeah. for viewing. And, and if, if you want to see a lot of the videos that I and other people did, uh, if you go, you can watch them on Twitch right now, which is like twitch.tv slash VMware Tanzu. But I am, I'm eventually going to go through the task of downloading them from Twitch and uploading them to our YouTube channel and probably making some excerpts in uh, podcasts. I mean, y'all know how this goes. Such great ideas. Love a great idea. Let's, let's see if it actually happens or not, but yes, forget, they're all available. Don't forget to, to TikTok them all. Yes. You know, I think TikTok has a 10 minute time limit now, right? So maybe I could put some stuff in there. That would be amazing. If someone watched a 10 minute, like talk about anything. I think I if you did a dance to the, the actual, uh, like over the narration, if you did a little dance, yeah. a little TikTok dance, so like you came up with one, it would get some serious views. I think that, or what I've I'm learned a- recently, just put a puppy, put a puppy out on your, um, <laughs> on your content. Cause like you could spend, you know, years making content podcasts talking about with insightful commentary. But let me tell you, you throw a puppy up there for about 30 seconds. That'll just crush, it'll crush your views. It'll crush, it'll crush your soul too. It's like, no. People, people, they don't, they don't uh, want high quality I, content. They want puppies. That's what people yeah, want. Yeah. You That's gotta, what you, you do. Get that you, you cut down. it up. You, you put like, you know, two dozen, you know, Tanzu videos up there. And then just in the playlist, you slip in a puppy, maybe another one with, you know, some, some dancing and you know, that'll, that'll, the other stuff will get the traction from that. I actually know the answer to this question, Kote, but like, uh, does Tanzu have a mascot? And if not, let me recommend you make it a puppy. If uh, I was just yeah. looking here and see if there's a Tanzu person. I don't think we do have a mascot. That's a good, good idea. All right. Well, consider, um, you know, take that to your marketing director. Say like, hey, I heard yeah. puppies do well. The Tanzu puppy, now you'd be talking. Yeah. I mean, look at the valuation of that Datadog company. Am I right? I mean, you know, yeah. a, so good, some, a good yeah. 10 billion of that must be based on the logo. <laughs> Once you go to marketing, though, they're going to be like, we're going to have to focus group what kind of dog. It's oh, true, man. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm saying like Data Lizards isn't a thirty billion dollar company. I mean, so that, Snake's that, got a Doberman, right? You you may have un, finally unlocked. Like I've always wondered what what made Data Dog successful, and like you know, frankly, a purple dog, you know, or a dog surrounded by purple. Done. That's probably worth ten billion dollars right there. I'm gonna. Just I, I think one I, third I, of the valuation. I'd have to. I'd have to go look it up. But Pager Duty. PagerDuty is public, right? Are they still yeah. private? They're, they're I think. I think. I, I mean, PagerDuty might be 
valued less than Datadog, and I think we found why because they don't they don't have an animal. <laughs> yeah. You gotta you let gotta me, put an animal me, in there. Let me just throw this out to your marketing. Don't don't leave it to them to decide. You decide right now. Shih Tzu the Tanzu, or wait, Tanzu the Shih Tzu. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to put that one in the oven and see what comes out. I think we're going to let that bake a little bit. You know, we're going to workshop that a little bit. Well, well, bef- before we move on to the, the rest of the news. But yes, if you know, I, I think, well, I was there, so I'm biased. But we had some fun discussions. Uh, but you can go check those out at the, the VMware Tanzu Twitch. And eventually, I'll put it in the uh, our YouTube channel over there. But before we close that out, you know, based on what we've discussed here, I want to make a bold statement slash prediction. And that is, like, I know... If you go talk to your Forrester, your your other B two B marketers are gonna they're gonna give you a PDF about how to succeed with social video and TikTok, how to do some stories, things like that. But I want to suggest that you're if if you're in our world of the B two B world, kind of infrastructure software, it's not gonna work. Like I'm just gonna straight <laughs> out simplify it for you and say like, nope, not not for you. Don't do that. Don't you don't worry about TikTok or Instagram or stories or anything, basically anything that involves swiping, not good for B2B, not going to work out for you. Now, based on the frequency of ads I see in Instagram, maybe if you're selling like project management software, maybe, I don't know. But like, I feel like maybe for high dollar enterprise B2B sales, if you have to swipe, it's not going to work for you. So just don't do it, right? Take that budget spend it somewhere else. That's 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 my position on that. Now, speaking of swiping, it looks like in the back end, the swipe masters at Snap have been swiping their public cloud hosting. Is like how I swiped into that one? Oh, swiped Lots it, of, yep. <laughs> Yes. And now I think, I think since Matt Ray is now the master of cloud pricing and, uh, and management, <laughs> like what I wanted to bring up here is, now Brandon, as always, you can fill in the details that I gloss over, but it looks like they are using both Google Cloud and AWS for their hosting, right? They got, they got to, they're living the dream and the multi-cloud there. And apparently by doing this, they have reduced their compute costs cost by 65%. Now, now I feel like now Matt Ray, I feel like 65% is a lot of percent. And that's a good percent. Are these, are these the kind of results that you're seeing when you talk with people that like really you people are spending this much money and all they had to do was a multi-year multi-cloud transformation journey to uh, half, more than <laughs> That's half. All you have to do is is buy into the journey. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, it's it's not that unusual to see double digit savings uh, when you when you start going into like a, a, a FinOps kind of motion. Um, definitely, definitely, there's a lot of low hanging fruit that most people aren't appreciating um, for for uh, Snap's infrastructure, especially. They were they were built on top of Google App Engine, so a pass, and that has its own like you know extra costs um, mm, that a lot of okay. people you know you you don't care about the cost of the pass because you know you're doing you're you're so successful at what you're doing, but once you get to Snap Scale, it kind of becomes a drag on your business, and you know you start looking at ways to uh, uh, optimize that spend, and so that's that's what Snap did is they're like you know. Google App Engine's great. We love it, but it's expensive when you get to our scale and, and everything doesn't need to fit on this platform. And 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 let's dig in that cuz I I cuz I think you're you're gaining not unique, but you're well, unique is nice. You're gaining let's just say a, a unique perspective on 
on buying behavior in this space by by kind of at the angle that that y'all are coming it at. Mm-hmm. Is there like is there a rule of thumb for after you are spending this amount of money on the infrastructure, you should not do that. I mean, I'm simplifying it, but it's sort of like <laughs> the the reason conceivably you would use, um, you know, App Engine is, I mean, we're all familiar with these things is because you want to focus on developer productivity and make things easier. So you're not spending a lot of time on the infrastructure side, right? Right, right. But, I mean, the trade-off but, but then, is, but, yeah. but then is the analysis something like, yeah, like we're, we're paying a, 10% premium to not have to worry about this thing. So at some point that consumes some percentage of our time and revenue. It wouldn't be time. It it sort of consumes this amount of, of our budget. So therefore it's now worth the time to have people do this instead of a service yeah. do that. Like do y'all have that uh, spreadsheet? <laughs> no, no. But um, I mean, what, what we frequently see is, you know, People are like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna roll out onto you know this cloud uh, Kubernetes, and you know things just kind of run away from them. You know they're they're like they're not really sure mm-hmm. what what's happening, and stuff got expensive, and then we come in and like, oh, did you realize that you know these workloads don't have any network connectivity, and they're just you know eating up compute, or you know, hey, you need to talk to your you know Amazon salesperson and start thinking about you know reserved instances or you know. Um, other, you know, purchasing plans. And, um, but, but the time to start doing that is probably once, once you, once you have more than one thing on there. And uh, there was a, an interview with uh, Mar- Martin Casado over on uh, Screaming in the Cloud. It was really good. They were kind of revisiting his uh, repatriation paper. Uh, and it wasn't, it was kind of like the sidestep of, well, I didn't really mean repatriation for everybody. I meant repatriation for people who are providing a service. So if you are say a snap, um, you know, by the time that you hit any sort of scale, your internal infrastructure costs affect your profitability, you know? So it's like a normal enterprise, they've, they've got too many, you know, too many plates spinning that they can't really come back and say, well, we just need to move this all on premise because we'll save this much money. But if you're snap and all you have is your infrastructure costs and then your margins, whatever is everything else. Well then, you know, it it makes sense to go and, and say, you know, Hey, could this be refactored? Could this be repatriated? Could we move to a specialty cloud? Could we break this apart to, you know, use just this part as a SaaS and these other things go to, you know, core IS or, heaven forbid, on-prem. Um, and so, you know, it, it was a much more nuanced conversation. It was a good episode. I, you know, recommend it because I'm, I'm just like everybody else when when that, uh, you know, hey, re- repatriation is the way to go. When that came out, everyone took, including us, you know, took the simple view of it of, yeah, no, that's not for everybody. But if you're a snap, it totally makes sense. So a couple of thoughts yeah. here, man. I got you. Know, one, thank you for bringing up that interview. I have to say on an interview, I, I will go the other way and just say, I, I thought Corey for once, like really kind of pulled his punches. Like, listen, A16Z is a very savvy media company, right? Well, that's and the that way too. that yeah. he walked it back, like, oh, that's not really what I meant to say. And his co-author was not on there. He said something like, I'm not so great at this analysis. She's really, really smart. She did all the work. And it's like, no, 
No, that's not what you said. You said what you said in the paper. You said what you and, said. Oh, I, I, I and, totally agree with that. And like, there's no walking in. And, and you're you're in a very media savvy company, right? And I think it's completely written in a way like clickbait, whatever you want to call it, provocative, provocative editorial. It's like, no, no, no. You knew what you were doing. You're a billion dollar company. You did it. <laughs> Don't walk it back. You said it. You wrote it. It is what it is. It's wrong. Okay, so let me just let me just get that out there, right? Well, yeah. And yes. for once, like I, I thought Corey, like Corey's, like I, I thought he was going to take him to task. It was more like, you know, welcome to the show. You know, it's just super nice, Corey. I was like, I was, you know, for once, I was like ready for the snark, and, it, and he really, I think he really backed away from it. So, so putting that out on the table, I'll, I'll, I'll go go listen to the interview, though. Go decide for yourself. You know, that's just my, I, <laughs> my two yes. cents. I, I I let him have his walk back, and his walk back made made sense but also in the back of my head though i was like how many of these companies that you keep mentioning are you an investor in <laughs> well too, it's like what did you not read it before you posted it did no one read this before it posted it? and now i'm gonna walk it back oh it's more nuanced is that what the title said is that what the headline said no it was i don't know i didn't buy any of that and also i just don't buy like you know like again i've said all i should say on that so we'll, we'll leave that there now on the snap <laughs> window um I could go on, of course, but on the snap, I do think the part that's really interesting is like the scale, because I think to your, the question is like, where does the scale get to the point mm -hmm. that you ought to look at kind of this multi-cloud situation? So the one like kind of interesting thing they threw out is from a quantitative standpoint was Snapchat now has quote, 347 million daily active users who send billions of short videos, uh, that, which they called snaps. Right. So it's like, of course, like that's sort of like, this is, you know, this is expert level, right? This is like, you know, one of the, I don't know, probably 10, 20 biggest sites on the web. So it's like, for sure, it makes sense for this level of company to like go out and invest in kind of, you know, lots of different ways to reduce costs because of the scale. I think the part that is interesting, that would be really interesting, I don't know if I'll ever publish it, was like, where did the load on Google App Engine get to be too much, right? Um, and then where did it, or either because it was too much or because, because he alludes to both. It was both costly and it kind of like, it was hard to scale. It kind of refers to it as like got just too monolithic. Um, that would be actually really helpful if someone posted that and said, well, here's the level, like at however you want to call it, this many users or this many um, requests. Now's the point to get off Google App Engine because they, they tell the story of like, you know, decomposing the, into microservices. We've heard it before, but it's a really well-told story. It's like, it totally makes sense. Like, okay, yeah, we got really big. You are successful. Now decompose into microservices. Now spend some time on multi-cloud. Um, but it's just like, where was that line? And I guess that's what I think everybody in the industry, to some degree, is kind of trying to figure out, right? And every company is a little bit different. Everybody's workloads are going to be a little bit different. But that's the kind of thing that I think that I, I talk to customers all the time. Like, you know, we try to all like try to guide them. Like, well, you know, at this point, try this. At this point, try this. Or like if you're anticipating this massive growth, maybe you invest in it. But of course, there's always the trap, right? Maybe the growth doesn't come. And like, frankly, maybe Google App Engine was good enough or, or uh, an equivalent, um, you know, uh, solution from another a cloud vendor. You know, you could probably, you would need like three or four more cases like this. And like all these things, it wouldn't be like scientific, whatever that means. Uh, but like, you know, I, I mean, you, you probably, we all three read that Working Backwards book, right? There's a section going over when they broke up the monolith. And I feel like that was in like 2004 or five. Like, I don't, I don't know when it was, but. Right, and this is Amazon so we're maybe, talking, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. maybe like 
10 years into like the uh the platform and and not only not only like 10 years but an- another way of approaching it might be like not only length of time and cost but number of businesses that you're running right because i think that was the issue that they had if i remember that book is that like well if we just wanted to keep doing the same thing forever it'd be totally cool but like we have these new businesses that we want to bring on and new ways we want to run our book selling and retail business and we just you know we've got legacy stuff and, and tech debt stuff but there must be some not must be but you could kind of do a, a rough like here's five examples of a company that had to kind of rewrite its uh, its middleware down to infrastructure layer and then the more important the practical part would be like how did they decide to finally do it because that i mean you know every single week everyone's always like i don't know we're making some uh, we're acting kind of fast and loose here this this thing's still holding together but at some point you actually get to make the decision to, uh, you know, shut down the train and, and, and redo things. Boy, there's a lot of metaphors and analogies. <laughs> now, I do there. think the other thing in this article that um, they hit on that I thought was interesting was sort of when they went multi-cloud, and maybe this is sort of stating the obvious, but like I didn't see it written like this is, you know, they basically came out with three, if you will, tiers of, of things. So, okay, and it's really between Google and AWS and the person they brought in to kind of help them do this was from AWS. So no surprise, right? AWS and GCP, I guess in this case is yours left out. But the way that uh, he described their approach is like the first thing they do is they look at a service that they just declare as cloud agnostic. So I think that would basically be, you know, like the, you know, any of the servers basically running compute, right? They just kind of view that as completely agnostic. You can move it anywhere you want. And then, so that makes sense. And then the second one was, they call like quote unquote mixed things where it's mostly the same, but it takes a little bit more work to switch between a service at Google and a service at uh, AWS. So those are the the two that they're actually kind of moving around. It sounds like. And then the third one was just basically, you know, it's just unique to that one specific provider. So kind of going through as they find it sounds like as they kind of rewrote all of these services, they kind of have them in kind of these buckets, right? So I guess you kind of know you're probably going to get a lot more cost savings at the cloud agnostic service, right? But it may take you a little bit more effort to make it cloud agnostic or it needs to be simpler. And then as you kind of go up, you know, you're going to be more and more tied into a specific provider. But I like that. I mean, but this is, it did describe, just reading it though, was like, wow, this probably took a long time. If you had to go through all these different services and like all the comparisons and the spreadsheets and then who declares something agnostic versus something a little Uh bit mixed versus something exclusive, like, that seemed like it would be a lot of work. But if you got to that point, it would make sense, you know, that you'd have a, you know, really you know nice what you would need is you would need a topology tool to, to discover <laughs> Probably. all, all to one dis- of many to discover tools. the spaghetti bowl. Yeah. yeah there, there are definitely but, a lot of tools. So, so, some burn down charts. So, so let me, you know, also part of it is that, that uh, apparently, uh, what is it, every year they have like a cost camp where they, they have developers and, and I assume other people, yeah, engineers. This is, we got to get go. Matt's, Matt Ray's opinion where, on this because this seemed to be like somebody took the idea of a hackathon. It's like, you know what we need to have here? Everybody get together. We need to have a cost camp and everyone shows off with their best way to save money. And it's like, just, I was like, you know, this was, one of the, this was maybe the only line in the thing where I was like, hmm, when they declare it's cost camp, is that like the weekend everyone takes vacation? You know, they're like, I don't really want to like, <laughs> this sounds like, thrilling. Well, no, 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 no. You, you you wait to hear where cost camp is right <laughs> oh yes i think i think that's accurate and but have you ever heard so, of this so, matt like you would seem like somebody is is our companies like has uh have any of your companies ever been like yeah we we do some type of uh consolidated uh look at cutting costs oh, yeah. called something yeah, like I a mean, cost camp it, it's 
I mean, because I'm, you know, now dabbling in the, in the FinOps space, I hear about this. It, it's not that different, but behind, but, you know, like your various organizations inside larger organizations, you know, there might be the engineering offsite or the product offsite or the marketing offsite. And this is just continuing that vein of, hey, let's bring in people from various teams who have some thoughts on this. It, it, you know, it's probably not going to be your whole company coming out and, you know, hey, let's talk about how we save some money. It's probably, you know, people with direct understanding of the architecture and the budget. So you're bringing, you know, those people together, uh, possibly for an offsite, you know, uh, most companies mm-hmm. have to do offsites because we're all distributed now. But uh, yeah, I, I, it, it doesn't sound, you know, it sounds weird until like you start realizing that, you know, Somebody like Snap is probably spending, you know, a million dollars a month on cloud. Uh, I, I, so, th- yeah. I, I think I think to your point, Matt Ray, the the bummer about a cost camp would be it would be too ironic to go to an expensive place. <laughs> so you would really you would really have to hold that offsite oh. at, at like a like like at a budget, low cost place. Otherwise, we're, we're, I, feel, I, feel yeah, like, it, it's, I feel like the the cost mindset, camp at the, the, mindset the Denver Airport ruined. Hotel. Yes. Yeah, maybe oh, it's just the name. Nice. Yes, just the name. Uh, cost camp. Like, I don't know. I get the idea. Like, cost reductions, annual planning, whatever. I, I just, I was like, I don't know. This is the camp. Uh, metaphor was maybe just a bridge too far for me on those. It, like, okay. It's the opposite of the sales kickoff. It's a savings kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so here, here's, here's the to to kind of up level it, as it were, as as I like to do. Here's here's the question I had in my mind for for discussion, and that is. Is it, it, we can choose one of these two options as far as how one thinks about and markets and kind of approaches this infrastructure enterprise software stuff. You know, nowadays, like cloud stuff and Kubernetes and platforms, like, is it the case either that one, you should always lead with lowering costs? Like, that's always your number one thing that you're going to talk about no. and it matters. Or is it the case that two, early on in the market, you need to talk about uh, differentiation features that it actually works that it like provides what you want and that can be made to work and then maybe cost is is a secondary thing and then as as things go on and it commoditizes then you can talk about cost like what where like what are we, i mean obviously well all three of us are biased because we want you to buy stuff from our company so we would not like to talk about cost <laughs> like that's always that's always a bad kind of a, a not not the best way to go forward but like i don't know in the same way that like i think you we should just stop b2b marketing in 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 like you know tiktok for kubernetes like we we don't really need that it's not doing anything like maybe should we all just start talking about like you know lowered costs for things is that uh is that what the people want who are buying this stuff well uh in the the show notes we we linked to an article uh from uh david uh lenticum over at infoworld uh give finops a say over cloud architecture decisions and this actually makes a lot of sense, um, you know, because because one of the things that happens is, you know, for advanced cloud financial people, you know, your your Corey Quinns and the like, they can probably look at a cloud bill and tell you what the architecture looks like, um, mm. and just because there are patterns that emerge from the services you use, the things you and efficient or not, you know that that uh, uh, comes out and. The reason I bring this up is you probably want someone who understands the financial side of cloud computing um, to at least, you know, have a voice at the table to say, like, look, you know, you think you're going to do this model, but it's going to be very expensive. And our our cost per unit 
is, is it's going to be hard to, to manage if you go down that path. And, you know, a lot of engineering doesn't really want to hear that, um, you know, because it, it's, but it is something, something that like your product and your architect folks should, should have an understanding of what they're getting into. Um, you know, because yes, yeah, some things yeah. might be quick to, to write, uh, Google App Engine. And once you hit any sort of scale, you're like, oh, crud, you know, we thought, you know, we thought this was going to work forever. And not necessarily that the service is going to like run into head, you know, uh, growing pains, you know, like Google App Engine, but it's going to just become too expensive and you're going to have to refactor later. So if you keep an eye on that, you know, technical debt, uh, as a, as a financial thing, well, you know, maybe you can cut it off before it gets too bad. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess you... like, I mean, as, as, as long-term listeners will know, I never remember what this is called, but you want that, you want that chart where your costs don't go up per unit of success. Like you want it to kind of level <laughs> off at some point. And is that, is that a marginal something? Yeah, like, you want a you know, you don't, marginal you don't... cost, right? Or basically, the, you know, at some point. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I think, you know, but I think in the case of Snapchat, I mean, there's a book, um, we probably talked about it when it came out. It's uh, How to Turn a Billion Dollars, uh, How to Turn Down a Billion Dollars, the Snapchat story. So you can go read that. Um, it's pretty good. It tells that story like a lot of these books. And so I, I think if you kind of like put it through this lens, it's like this is like to me, Snapchat like executed, you know, the, the strategy perfectly. It's like, you know, you build some build a great mobile app, get the back end to work as quickly as possible. In this case, they use, use Google App Engine, achieve product market fit where they basically got, you know, you know, millions of users, they built in some type of advertising model, get the money going in that at that point, right? It's like, once you've done all that, it's like, now you start to bring in the infrastructure experts, right? Like from AWS and others, and, you know, the engineering talent to come through. And I think Twitter kind of, to some extent, kind of did the same thing. We go back to the fail well days. And then it's like, okay, now we got to really make it run um, more cost efficiently, as well as more scalable. And it's like, but I think, you know, nine times out of, you know, I'd actually say 10 times out of, 10, you know, I think you'd always take a company with like product market fit and like a, a really large user base and go fix the technical problems versus like, yeah. okay, let's engineer it uh, up front and run it really cheaply. Um, and then, you know, hope that all the users show up. So I think in the case of Snap, they did it perfectly. Well, and, and a lot of these re-architectures, re-architecturing happens once these companies are public and people yeah. start looking at mm. at you know their their infrastructure or their their costs and their filings and they're like you guys are spending a lot of money on you know xyz mm. services and you know if you can squeeze out you know two percent here you know it's gonna you know nudge yeah, the stock price savings, up right? here mm-hmm. and yeah and and you know once you have kind of that that focus from from the public eye over uh, your costs this, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, I, I guess, and this is, I mean, this is the the other end of pre IPO is 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 the uh, the PE gym, and and I think I think in both those cases, the conclusion is that like growth is best done in the shadows. Like you, you know, you don't you want to you want to like build up the company and the valuation and the growth, but you don't really want people investigating how how you're doing that until you can kind of like level off and start optimizing the, uh, the cost for things. Yeah. It, we should go know, back to what you said, Cote earlier. I mean, AWS is probably the best example of this, right? They're the, the famous memo, right. You know, uh, or, you know, whatever, you know, Bezos said, Hey, there's only going to be APIs and kind of re-architecting, you know, what, what became amazon.com. And then what, and then that was the genesis of AWS. So it's like, that's probably the most profitable reorganization 
uh, regard texture of all time. It spun off of another business that's like approaching a hundred billion dollars in revenue. Like, like who's going to do that again? I mean, it's phenomenal. Mm. Well, speaking of spinning off other businesses, spinning off and headwinds and tailwinds, uh, just coincidentally through, you know, a newsletter I subscribe to that is now owned by the Atlantic. There was uh, there was a little, a little, uh, what would you call it? Uh, a little rant about business speak. And I think, you know, uh, you can go look it up in the show notes, which are available at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 375, uh, get a link to it. And it goes over uh, somehow, I forget the story of how the, the writer, it's, it's the Galaxy Brain newsletter, by the way, which is kind of fun. And uh, he, he downloaded a McKinsey thing about, oh, about the metaverse. That would make yeah. sense. Like why, why like a mainstream journalist would be interested in it because it would be a metaverse. And I think it was, it was like the, I didn't actually go read the paper, so we're going to talk about it for a little while. But it was kind of like the, the B2B consulting write-up of the metaverse, how, how a company can uh, do well in, in the metaverse. And the complaint of the Galaxy Brain guy was that it was all just vacuous jargon uh, that meant something, that, didn't, that it didn't mean anything. And, you know, I, 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 know, I know, I don't know him, but I know of this Brian guy, Brian Solis, who wrote it. I followed him over the years. He was, I used to be in this pseudo community news list thing called the enterprise Irregulars, and i think he scurried around in there every now and then and you know i was reading some of the excerpts and i was like yeah i mean i know this isn't jargon but i kind of sort of know exactly what they're saying here right like the the thing that was being pointed out is like that he keeps talking about value and achieving value and it's like yeah that's just a good way of saying money right like and or you know it's whenever you hear in business jargon that you want to achieve value with something that means the equally unhelpful thing of achieve what your corporate strategy goals are. But chances are your corporate strategy goals are make more money, right? Like <laughs> that you will actually have a, a tangible, like, here we go, business outcome from any sort of endeavor that you're doing. Otherwise, there's, there's no value in it. And, you know, I'm sure, a lot, and I read a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff can be G jargon more. But I think long ago, during the well-remembered, the finally-remembered uh, software-defined talk exegesis episode, we did hit on several times that, like, you know, sometimes this is not for you, right? Like, this this press release, it may seem like a load of crap, but that's because it's not for you. Like, I'm sure if I went to go read about how, uh, you know, things were going in one of my favorite industries to know nothing about cardboard manufacturing, and I read some thought leadership in there, I'd be like, this sounds like I don't, I just want some shit delivered to me. Like, I don't, I, well, that's, that's all I want. Yeah. But I, I think, I mean, the, my, my take on it was, you know, maybe they're just using these words to wrap something that's not there. Right. You well, know, th- now that, 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 that would... like, this is just, you know, wrapping bullshit with bullshit. Right. Right. And... Now that, that, that is a, that is a more valid thing. Like I said, I haven't read this paper, but I will reflect on other PDFs I have read. I mean, nothing to say about this one because I haven't done the work. But it is true that there are many of these kind of PDFs you read. And if you re- can read through the, uh, is can't the right word? Like the, because you would think you would, you, if you were like a, a, a thief in Dungeons and Dragons, you could speak thieves can't, right? And it always oh, seemed yeah. like, it always seemed like, well, why doesn't everyone else learn that? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. But <laughs> they can't be bothered. Yeah. I mean, especially you got some, some fucking wizards with 18 intelligence, just like throw some, some thieves can in there. No problem. Uh, but you know, there are many of these papers where, you know, my thing is always like, I'm not so interested in you identifying a problem or potential as telling me how I'm going to get quote unquote value out of it. Like, what am I actually going to do 
to to uh, achieve value from it. And I think maybe that's the reason, like, if you're talking about the metaverse or all these things, it's kind of difficult is maybe the conclusion that all of the, 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 the gibberish can't talk like this needs to get to is like, you know, like I've been trying to jokingly do here is to kind of, kind of stridently be like, yeah, there's nothing there for you there. We'll check in on this three years. Don't worry there's about no it. No value there. in the metaverse, right? I mean, that would be, can you imagine if like a McKinsey or a Bain came out with a PDF and it was basically like, nope, not good. Don't, don't, don't invest in the Bitcoin or like, <laughs> nope, nope. The, the metaverse, don't bother. Don't, don't, nope, nope, don't do it. Just like work on but, some cost optimization. <laughs> Yeah, well, but they can't do that because then they have to spend you know the 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 remainder of of time defending why you shouldn't be doing this thing that everyone else is talking about. Yeah, I so maybe you know you got you got your McKinsey, your Bain, and uh, what's the other one? I forget the third one, but one of them should just start being like the nope house, and they'll just come in and basically, <laughs> if there's a new trend or a technology, their their default position will be to not do it. And oh. until it's kind of proven out that it's worthwhile, that there is quote unquote value in it, uh, they'll just kind of be like, I don't know. Why don't you let your competitors figure out if that works or not? And if it does, yeah, yeah, do that. It, it could be, you know, nope house, AKA the fast follower. Right. And, and, and I think, like, I think there, there would be, itself. I think maybe, you know, uh, you know, we're kind of workshopping this here. I think there is a position paper to be had. And I don't want to say that the value of this might be the uh, the the two by two dog star quadrant thing, which was, I think, maybe the most probably the most important business in manage most important innovation and in management consulting ever. Use of the two by two to to prioritize and sort how to do things. Maybe previous to that was the realization I think the Bain people had that their job was to increase share price. I mean, we kind of take that for granted for now, but. Think back to maybe like the early 1960s and just imagine that your pitch is like, I'm not going to help you run your business better or make more money. I'm going to help you increase your share price. I mean, that would that's a total like mind screw there from Taylorism and, and Fordism and stuff like that. But anyways, we should develop some theory that's that's basically like the the meandering follower is typically the most successful in achieving the most market share. Right. So I think you got you got Microsoft, you got Apple. I don't know the other ones, but basically those companies very rarely come out as the first person doing some highly innovative new thing. And in fact, they almost let the so-called marketplace just kind of mess around with new ideas and kind of see what <laughs> works. And then they, they come in and they do it in, in, a, in a better way. So maybe we've got this whole innovate first thing a little mixed up is like, instead, you want to be kind of like, I think even fast is too slow. I don't know if any of this is true. This is why we're workshopping it. But you just need to be like, you know, sort of average rate, average rate follower is is, is what you want well, to do. But, but the problem with being a fast follower is you're just, in head, just ahead of the also rands, right? So, you know, you have to make sure that you don't fall back into the pack. And then you're like, Yo, I hear you guys like public cloud, and it's like, oh, dude, you're ten billion dollars too late to get in, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, but, so they, know, they I, have to nudge you. They have to nudge you into the the you know, what's the now? The, I feel I feel like I feel like I'm setting myself up to contradict one of my. I I, I spent probably ninety minutes, if not more, today on this problem. Now, what I am setting myself up to is that next time I have uh, some beefs with transferring money in America. 
someone's just going to replay this to me and be like, nope, it's the, actually that's what they should do. America is the average follower. They're waiting for, <laughs> for Europe and everyone else to figure this out. And once it gets nailed, they're going to bring it back. So this is the natural way things need to evolve. I like that. But back kind of this in this article, I think the one thing that um, that really stood out to me and kind of embedded in it was just the nature of like he says tangible in there. And I think that's that is a good uh, way to grade any of these things. It's like, mm. can somebody in if you're doing thought leadership, if you're pitching a company, if you're explaining a product, can someone give you a very simple and succinct, tangible example of how this product movement or whatever will, you know, uh, will help you, you know, save money, improve performance, whatever it is you're trying to do. And I think when you find things that don't do that, right, I think there's a reason, like, I think there's a good reason to start asking questions. Like, why did this McKinsey paper, um, after all this writing, kind of leave the reader wanting with any type of, like, tangible thing, right? And I think mm-hmm. it kind of alludes to a little bit crypto is in that category now. And I think even um, in our own jobs, right, like, there's always like there's always a good list of like weasel words you can find on the internet like you know um, easy to use uh, you know better performance uh, all those kinds of things and like usually the you know an editor or just somebody that just gives you a writing tip will say like hey replace all these things with an actual like statistic right don't say it's easy to use say it's like five times faster to do X right and if you can't then you know maybe you don't have it or like don't say next generation like actually say the thing that you know what it is it's like and it, you know it teleports you from X to Y whatever you know whatever your specific thing is. And if you can't that's do a that paper, I want to read teleportation um, technology. Is there value in it? Right. But that's the whole point. Like if you can't say that kind of stuff and you find yourself with like a lot of weasel words and a lot of like, you know, uh, potential futuristic um, use cases that aren't tangible, then, you know, you probably don't have thought leadership. You probably just have a, you know, a poorly yeah, written uh, yeah. position paper I, on nothing. Okay. So I think that's another tenant of the nope house. And and again, I'm just throwing this idea out to the big consultancy firms. Maybe maybe we'll put this as a uh, this might be a wing of the software defined talk uh, value management hedge fund system, which is slowly octopusing out in all sorts of lines of business, which is great. I mean, that's the great Warren Buffett seems to have followed that model. So I think we can now. I haven't checked the numbers, Brandon, but I think we, just like Warren Buffett started with a little insurance company, I think we could start with our ad revenue, right? And I like it. Yeah, no, you. I, I don't know. Who's it, the I don't know. Let's just call it tangible group. consulting, right? We'll come in, bring it in, and like, hey, tangible we, consulting, you know. And then it, what comes out is like, okay, here's what it is. Because I think the reason people <laughs> don't do that, because like Zuckerberg, for many of his faults, like he is putting together ta- things that are tangible. Now, what happens, though, is he shows it to people and they make fun of it, right? They're like, whoa, did you just see this crazy meeting? Like people are dancing inside of a metaverse with a headset on. And and that's the, you know, that's the issue, right? And that's why like McKinsey, that's why people don't want to do it. It's like in the case of Zuckerberg, I think he just frankly doesn't care. He believes or whatever, you know, for whatever reason. But like he's putting stuff on, you know, you can go get an Oculus Quest. You can go like try it out. Now you may decide you don't want it and you may decide it's not good, but like it's at least tangible. Whereas, you know, like many other people are riding the fence here. Like McKinsey's just like one day we're all going to be in the metaverse and it's going to be great and it's going to be easier and faster and simpler, but they won't, you know, they don't want to be made fun of, right? They don't want, or they're not willing to go to yeah, that next level yeah. to say, okay, I, 90% I think, of business yeah. meetings will be in the metaverse in five years and we guarantee it's going to happen. And this is why. So- Right. Cause that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think we'd we, be like, we in, okay, let me see it. We, we encounter, we've encountered this many times over our careers. Right. And I think 
what you smell out is that when you are going on a you're going on a um a thought leadership suicide mission right and so like <laughs> like given given the metaverse you should be able to smell around that and be like this is not going to turn out well for me right like no matter no matter what i i sort of like think up or how i write it there really is nothing here at the moment and and the difficult thing is as you just pointed out there actually are things there but it's very unclear if they need to be there let alone if they were there like what you would do with it right so you could pick you know like an easy as obvious easy obvious thing would be like i don't know people are going to buy stuff in the metaverse right but like sure like that that that's nothing interesting that might happen versus like trying to cook up like all sort i'll have to go read the paper now i'm intrigued but you know you know it's it's the same thing where like early on with big data i think I think the podcast might be this old that we still had these questions, but we would just kind of yeah. be like, eh, seems cool. But like, really, what are we going to do with that? But right? you could write, so like, I mean, you know, to, to make it more constructive, right? Because I do think, you know, <laughs> one thing I do feel bad for, for the writer of this paper is like, I would hate if, if somebody from the Atlantic just, just took something I wrote and was just like, let me explain to you why this is so bad. It would be like, well, that would be a pretty, pretty rough day. Um, but yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, putting that aside, it's like, there is a place where, you know, they, he, you know, he could have done it was just to say, it's like, you know, something like this, like checking in on the metaverse, what's real, what's, you know, what's reality, oh, yeah. uh, something like that. And then you could go through and just constructively say, it's like, well, where, you know, here are the five most common things that are described, and many of them are not really being, you know, utilized, or they have significant limitations, right? But it's worthwhile. But then you would say something like, but here are the five things I would watch. And then at the end, you could always just have some kind of blue sky paragraph. It's like, That's we true. never That's know true. what's going to come of these things. You know, sometimes like, you know, you don't see it coming. So it's always worth keeping, you know, it's always worth just watching if nothing else so that you kind of stay educated and see to Matt's earlier point, like you see a trend before it's everywhere. And it's like, fair enough. Right. That would be like a reasonable I, take on it. And, and, and I guess, I guess we have, we haven't sort of like checked this area of the, uh, the intellectual business airport bookie kind of thing, but there's, it, it's almost like the halo effect. It doesn't really fit in this, but it's kind of adjacent to that. What you want to do when you're kind of exploring and discovering new things in the businessy world is come up with a model that you apply. Like you want a set of criteria and exit gates, experiments that you can run, and then that's kind of the height of how you kind of navigate weird, confusing stuff. But developing that model is more important than developing a conclusion and then honing that model and sharpening it uh, over time. Which that, that that's often that's. I try to ask people that question a lot, like how how would you know when something happens, or how are you modeling it in your head for things that have no answer? You can just kind of uh, feel around in the darkness. Yeah, I mean, there's there. definitely there's definitely a space for the contrarian consulting shop to come and just pour cold water over any of these projects. You know, you're like, look, mm. I want to bring in tangible consulting, and let me tell have them tell me why we're not going to invest in metaverse this year. And you know what? Yeah. But I think that somebody, the- somebody protective of a budget would go for that. Somebody yeah. who's looking for, you know, a, isn't, isn't a, that what, isn't asterisk. that what you're screaming at the cloud guy does? That's his whole shtick, right? <laughs> but I do think this is where, I think that's kind of the central thesis of that article is like, Hey, you know, should it be a contrarian take to require tangible examples? Or should that just be like, if you put something out, right. And you're sort of like, 
you know, kind of advertising it as the next biggest thing. Like, is it unreasonable to say like, you need to have some tangible examples. And if you don't, is it unreasonable to like criticize that? Right. Cause that seems to be where we are today. Like so many of these ideas is like, you criticize it and then you get the Gandhi quote back from the person that's being criticized. Like, Oh, first they laugh at you Uh, first. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, I don't understand. Like, I just like, you said something that didn't have any real examples. I asked her for some examples and now I'm like not on the team. Like now you're going to attack me. It's like, that seems to be like the level of discourse of a lot of ideas. Right. Right. At this minute. And and I feel like the incentives aren't aligned for McKenzie and the like to, to be negative on things because you know what, if, 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 if you tell, if you tell the customer that metaverse is a fad, you're cutting off your metaverse consulting people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well okay well, I mean, okay so, so, so maybe spe- the point mm-hmm. so speaking speaking of tangible outcomes i think i think you know we got the no pals consultancy and i think our logo is going to be a cold shower uh that's that's <laughs> kind of like we've got some branding i don't know how you indicate a cold shower visually a bucket of cold but, uh, water yeah but for for uh if if you do enjoy warm showers and you want something tangible what how could someone get something tangible from us brandon well, they could send their uh, postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send them a physical sticker uh, anywhere in the world. And they can uh, fix it to really anything they want, to their laptop, their bikes, their uh, Yeti cups, or one of the many, many other things I haven't listed there. So uh, please go ahead and send us uh, all the requests because I love sending stickers to people. Also, Real quick here, I want to uh, thank everybody who came out to the Software Defined Talk meetup. I think it was a, a rousing success. Uh, Kote and I were down here at the Pine House uh, in Austin. We had some good pizza. We had some beers. We uh, saw many people uh, here in Austin. I think, I don't know, I'm going to put the, the total uh, attendance around around 15. I didn't count exactly. you know. And uh, we sure. had a, a few no-shows and we had a few people show up that we didn't know were coming. So it was great to see everyone. And one quick uh, shout out from this. I was going to recommend since it's uh, VMware, so we're talking VMware, uh, one of your coworkers there were Kote Whitney, and she has a site called Enlightening. And I'll have a link here to it. So you can, uh, she does like, these cool things on, uh, what's it called, like a light board, where like someone talks and she takes uh-huh. these cool notes. It's like, it's just different. I think it's different. I think it's kind of cool. So if you want to uh, see, see what that's all about, uh, check the show notes and go check out Whitney's site. Again, that's Enlightening. Yeah, yeah, her uh, her show is great. She's been doing it for like a year now, and uh, it's good stuff. It's it's really it's really fun watching. I I wholeheartedly recommend that as well. Well, there's one less conference now that that we usually recommend, and that's the one at right now. I guess you could come to tomorrow, or I I think they're having the big old party tonight. Uh, that, I'm sure that's going to be awesome. So uh, you know, we don't have that one going on. However, there's also uh, DevOps now. Matt Ray, is it DevOps Talks? Yes. Is that a DevOps Days, yes. or what? What is that? No, it, it, it's a it's a separate conference. Uh, DevOps Talks, uh, Sydney. It's a. Do we already have some brand subversion here? They just didn't want to yeah, go with the days. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's like a regional thing. Uh, it's not like a community conference. It's uh, you know, um, uh, uh, profitable. <laughs> uh, oh, but, I see. Uh, the the this, organizer this, this gave is me... like a this is like a GPL v three issue we've got going on here. That's too bad. Anyways, it, it, it's a it's a good uh, conference. Uh, organizer gave me a pass to to come and drop in, and uh, I've I've spoken at them before and uh, been at them. So if uh, if you're in Sydney and uh, you want to drop in for a day or two, um, there's going to be some good talks. 
and uh, you know, check it out. I wish I was going there. And then also, uh, there's another. There's a FinOps meetup October 13th. Yeah, that one's virtual. That's going to be Matt me. Rich. That's going to be me talking about uh, you know cl- Kubernetes and cloud costs. Yeah. Now I know you've locked down your presentation by this point, so you know maybe next episode <laughs> you can give us a summary of it. <laughs> I, I I did have to submit an outline. So I, I vaguely have an outline of what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, item one in the outline, computers. Item two, more computers, I think is the, uh, the, the good outline. <laughs> and then there's also KubeCon North America coming up in Detroit. They, uh, yeah. they we're, we're a media sponsor of them, so they're being very nice uh, about things that we have and are doing there. Uh, so I've actually, as you can imagine, talked with many people about that. It sounds like it's going to be uh, a lot of fun there. Then, of course, you have my favorite conference, Spring One Platform, December 6th and 8th. I actually have a discount code this episode, and the discount code is COTE200. That's spelled C-O-T-E 200. Now, Brandon, how much money do you think that code will get you off registration? I would guess $200. That's right. That's right. Uh, the college paying off. Not, not a trick question. <laughs> All right. I thought like you, you did hesitate on me. I was like, uh-oh, it's coming. It's coming. The the square root of uh, some kind of complicated formula gives me 200. But no, I'm glad. It's, that's great. $200 off. That's, that's, that's a pretty right. good deal. That's a nice little discount. So y'all should come to that. It'll be fun. And then and then there's still, I think there is still a uh, open call for papers for that conference uh, in Texas on January. Uh, so got a lot going on there. Now with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, so my, my recommendations this week, uh, I've got a pair of them. Uh, the first is I'm going to be running the Festival of Feet Half Marathon this weekend. And I had to recommend it just for the name. I mean, Festival of Feet, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, but my other recommendation is BirdNet Pi. Uh, this is a project where if you have uh, a Raspberry Pi 3 or faster uh, and you put a microphone on it, you can let it go and listen to the birds outside and it uses machine learning to identify the birds. You hook it up to Flickr. It puts photos of them. It's uh, it's kind of awesome. There's uh, about uh, 15 to 20 birds species in my area that have been identified. And so now I'm like walking around. I'm like, oh, that's a, a pied currawong or, you know, oh, that's a sulfur crested cockatoo. I'm, I'm learning. It's It's kind of awesome. Were you saying it's a pie worm horn? A, a curwong, but sure. Maybe maybe it'll find a worm a cur, horn. A curwong. <laughs> Very good. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend this week? I know I'm so blown away by that last recommendation. Every time Matt Ray, like he goes to another, they're like, I think we're at the, the basement. He goes to another level. He just goes like, he takes the raspberry pie, like to a new level, like bird watching, cool. bird listening with raspberry pie. That is the new floor. I look forward to Matt Ray taking us somewhere else in the future. Matt, listen, I say it as a friend. I love it. It's just crazy. But anyway, good, good to hear about it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to recommend something very simple. This was one on uh, an Apple TV plus show. It was called uh, Blackbird. It was, it was on, uh, I think it started a few months ago. So it's been out for a while. So it's all out there. You can watch, you can binge it. It's just a nice, I say, a nice solid, like little crime thriller thing. Uh, it was based on a, a true story. So it was a fun watch. I think it's like six episodes. It's kind of like that perfect, you know, uh, maybe if you're traveling overseas, you have a long flight or you're just looking for something that's just kind of uh, fun to watch. A little dark, but like, I think very captivating. So check out Blackbird on Apple TV+. Plus. Well, I hope I haven't recommended this thing because I have had it for a while, but I, I 
I over this two week trip, which I have to say, uh, next time I mention this casually to you two, you should be like, Kote, don't take a two week trip. You always don't like that. I do not recommend it. So let's let's uh, let's remember that for next time. But I have been using the uh, the ArcDoc 120W. I won't read the full Amazon thing, but it's basically it's like this little cube that has two USB C ports and two USB USB ports, like normal ones. And you uh, you plug it into the wall, and it's basically good enough to like run uh, laptop charging, right? Now, so that it's like a power brick, except it's kind of like a power brick. I wouldn't say it fits in the palm of your hand, but if you kind of top chopped, you know how your your fingers have three joints. If you top the if you chop the the top joint off your finger, it's about from palm to like the second, you know what you'd have left of it. It's very heavy. But it's great because you can, you know, you go to, you go, you roll around, you got four ports you can plug things into. Sometimes you have that, uh, that iPhone charging cable. It's a stupid USB-C one that they get with everything. And you're like, this is useless to me. No problem. You got two USB-C ports, but you have the regular one. So that part's good. But here's the thing, and maybe you'll appreciate this, Matt Ray, is I don't know the name of this kind of cord, but it has a cord that comes out of it, you know, that's detachable, which seems annoying at first, but here's the insight that I have is it's one of these standard cords. Like Ikea sells these cords that have like the two holes at the end of it and like the divot mm-hmm. on either side. I'm sure the nerds out there know what this is. They're like, oh, that's the that's the Wim Gobbly uh, 97 uh, standard <laughs> ISO ISO 22 or, or whatever. It is a standard, I'm sure, yeah. But, but what you do is you buy each of those cords for the countries you want to operate it in. So I have a US cord and then I have a Europe cord. And so what yeah. I do is whenever I'm in either place, you just use that cord. And that that yeah. right there, that's what I love. Now, you're still going to want to bring a small USB adapter for uh, whatever country you're going to, as I have found out on this trip, because uh, you're, you're going to want that. But still, I think, I think investing, embracing the detachable cord that they always hide from the pictures is actually going to help you in this, uh, this instance. You, do you do that, Matt Ray? You have the multiple cords? I, oh, maybe uh, maybe yeah. I learned that from you. <laughs> Who knows? Well, speaking of things that uh, you forget where you've learned it from, hopefully you have learned a lot in this episode of Software Defined Talk. It's episode 375. So if you want to uh, remember where you learned these things, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 375. There's also several things that we talked about, which you can't forget that you've learned because we have forgotten to mention them that you can dig into there as well. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. All right, Matt, I think you're going to have to send me some audio of the birds. I I, I was just looking. Uh, um, you yeah, give, I'm trying to figure out how to get the MP3s out. You need to uh, fire up the old uh, audio hijack. Give us some clips, you know, we can make. Well, this. it's, yeah, I mean, the the pages in BirdNet Pi say like, you know, here's the, you know, the file name is Pied Currawong. You know, twenty two oh nine oh one birdnet six twenty twenty five a.m. dot in birdnet. I'm on birdnet. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know what what did I what what did you just say to me? Was I supposed to be taking notes when you said all that? Like what? what no, 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 no. Do you do you want do you are you going to put on the do you, do you, uh, do you want to just put it on the podcast like in the after? Yeah, whatever. Like I don't know. Do, do you want? Do you want? Do you if want you got audio, I'm always for weird audio. Cockatoos? What what kind of stuff do you need? I, listen, I leave it to you. I can't. I I have no idea what I would want. Send me some. Send me some of the bird sounds, and I'll I'll see. Australian ravens. <laughs>
<laughs> we already have you. Yeah, you maybe know I'll play the because uh, I do have a good sting of you like doing a, your little uh, bird call like you just did there. So maybe I'll I'll, yeah, play yeah. The, I'll play yours and then I'll play the real ones and be like. Kate, you're on mute. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> give me, give me the whole pickup again, so I can get it real clean. Go ahead. <laughs>